0: Here we go. So welcome to Before They Called Me Coach, where we're going to be diving into 10 different Springfield College coaches' lives before coaching. I'm your host, Sean Doyle, and today we're joined by women's volleyball coach, Coach Moralong. Long. Coach, welcome to the show.
1: I'm really excited to be here. I uh, love your topic and uh think you really reflect back, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. So you are head women's volleyball coach here on campus you're also an associate professor of physical education right correct and you just finished your 11th season at Springfield College right
1: I did I don't know where the time goes but 11 seasons here yes
0: so if you could like tick back in your mind a little bit um like where did you grow up uh what was your life like back then and um yeah where like where'd you grow up what's your life like back then
1: Yeah, uh, I grew up outside of Boston, a little town called Billerica, Mass. Um, I have five brothers, so I think that probably contributed to my competitive streak. Um, I grew up actually my whole life playing soccer. You know, that's the first sport most kids get into, and I loved it and kind of got to middle school and someone said, you should try volleyball. And I was like, yeah, okay, sounds good. Um, And then kind of when I got to high school, I had to decide what I was going to play, volleyball, uh, or soccer, and all of my friends played soccer. And to my surprise, and definitely that of my parents, we uh, I chose volleyball, not knowing anyone, uh, and then played volleyball, basketball, and tennis while in high school.
0: Okay. So those were all the sports you played? Volleyball, tennis, soccer?
1: Uh, and basketball, and yeah. Basketball.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, did you ever have dreams of playing uh, sports in college or anything?
1: Um, I think, you know, I grew up a long time ago. I'm definitely old. Um, you know, I think when I kind of got, I played club volleyball, which was definitely not as big as, as it is currently. Um, I think I started to kind of maybe get some interest from coaches and I was like, oh, I didn't, I, I think you don't know what you don't know. None of my brothers, you know, competed in college. Um, I have three older and two younger. So um, all of a sudden I was like, oh, all right, this is a possibility. So I, um eventually found my way to uh, Marist College, which is in Poughkeepsie, New York, and kind of was like, oh, all right, you know, talked to the coach and uh, was invited to come to that, uh, you know, come to preseason, which was nothing I really knew anything about. So I don't think I had aspirations until probably my senior year where I was like, oh, all right, this could be a thing. And I love volleyball, so why not?
0: So I saw that you were a political science major (laughs) originally in college what was what did you want to do with that degree originally
1: um I don't think I knew uh I I definitely I think like a lot of um you know college freshmen I felt like I needed to have a, a bit you can ask my team I'm big into having a plan I've always needed a plan so I got to Marist and originally thought I wanted education and had a summer camp you know right before I went to school and I was like mm, I don't want to do this right now so um I just got to Marist and I had this uh, political science class or it was actually an American government class. And I loved it. Um, you know, the constitution, I just thought it was great. So I immediately picked political science, which, uh, in hindsight was not, I mean, I don't even know if the four years that I was in the major, I really loved it. I just felt like I, I had to have something. Um, and I think then, you know, in that age, you're like, I got to stick with it. I, this is, I said, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, yeah, I didn't love it and got to an internship in the second semester of my senior year. And remember I did it in the city. And I remember think, calling my mother and saying, I hate this, this, this is not what I wanna do. And she was like, oh, I don't care. You're just gonna graduate and you'll figure it out.
0: So what was that like after you graduated with the political science degree? Where did you go from there?
1: Yeah, um, again, I needed a plan. So uh, the friend that I did an internship with in New York City uh, she was moving to Washington D.C. and if you're a political science major, what do you do? You move to Washington D.C. Um, so I uh, I moved to Washington D.C. and was looking for jobs and whether it was going to be on the Hill or um, with lobbyists or what have you. Um, and I was there probably about six weeks and finally I went on an uh, interview with a place I'll never forget this woman. I don't know her name, but I'll never forget her. She, I go to the interview, She's friends with my aunt at a place called Women's Work, um, which sounded like a cool opportunity. I'm all supportive of women. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of halfway through this interview and she kind of stops and folds her book. And she's like, okay, we're just gonna stop. She's like, you clearly do not have a passion for politics. And I was like, ooh, not getting this job. Um, <laughs> and she was great because she just said, listen, like, what do you love? Like, what's your passion? And I was like, well, I love volleyball. I love sports. And she looks at me and she goes, go do that. And literally this woman changed my life. I got up from the interview. I, you know, shook her hand, thanked her you know, profusely and then walked to the library and researched schools. And um, I had a dear, dear friend that was here for sport management, uh, but I didn't really know Springfield. And um, there were, you know, only a handful of schools. It was probably Michigan, uh, UMass and Springfield were, had kind of sport Theoried classes or what have you, and that's I applied, and here I here I was.
0: So, did you ever think before that point anything about ever working in sports or sport management or coaching at all?
1: You know, when I was at Marist, um, we had a men's club team that one of my good friends played on, and he was graduating. He was a senior. He actually was my assistant uh, coach, like a student assistant. Uh, my freshman year. And he came to me and my friend and said, Hey, do you guys have any interest in coaching our club team? Like the guys really need some structure. And um, I was like, yeah, sure. Right. Um, So I kind of fell into it at Marist. And I don't think at the time I realized like coaching was a profession, like you knew people did it, but especially, you know, we're in the nineties and there weren't a lot of, you know, full-time coaching positions and it never dawned on me, right. I was political science major. I was going to do politics because that was my plan. Um, so for three years, I actually coached the men's club team, um, and loved it, but still never dawned on me. I never made the connection. Like you could do this. Um, so even when I came here as a grad student, I came in as a sport man major and I thought, okay, I want to work in sport and, you know, this is a great opportunity for me. And maybe I want to be in marketing or what have you. And I think, yeah, it still never dawned on me. Like coaching was my thing until I started to work with Joel Deering, who was the prior coach.
0: Right. So when you were growing up, did you have a lot of female coaches? Or I feel like now, as um, women are becoming more and more prominent in the sports space, which is amazing, there's more and more female coaches. Did you have a lot of female coaches growing up, or was it mostly men?
1: You know what? Um, in youth sport, it was definitely men. Uh, but I think, um, you know, my in club, it was a mix. I had men and women, but actually in high school, it wasn't until you just said that, that I think of it. Um, I had great role models for, as women coaches, um, my high school coach, um, was a woman. She played at BC. Uh, she actually is in the profession now coached at UL for a long time. Um, and then my tennis coach was a woman, uh, for four years. Uh, and then just basketball, I had, I had men. Um, but again, you don't look, I think you look and say, okay, well, you know, my volleyball coach was a, uh, at first was working like in the police force or what have you, and then was coaching volleyball. And then my tennis coach was my PE teacher and then coach tennis. So I think, you know, I, I, I still never dawned. I mean like, Oh, I could do that. Um, so it was nice. I think I'm probably in the minority in the fact that I had so many women's, um, role models in coaching. So
0: what was in your playing career, what was like your highlight, your favorite moment that happened, either that you did or the team?
1: Man. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, my four years at Marist were uh, tremendous. Right. I think, you know, to go, you put division one. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was division one, but I think, you know, it's about philosophy. And I think, um, it really was just the experience with your teammates, you know, it was a very different time. Then I always look back at those times and, you know, we were crammed into a 15 or a division one program. and We're crammed into a 15 passenger van with 15 people. Right. And you are like shoulder to shoulder with the other two freshmen on the team. And um, I think some of my favorite highlights, honestly, were we were so rowdy and so um, raucous that we just, irritated the heck out of our seniors. Like in the best way, they were like, oh, these freshmen are a lot. Um, um, You know, those are the moments I think, you know, we had success. I think probably my sophomore year, we had a great deal of success, Um, but I don't think I ever remember, you know, it's not about the wins and losses. I think it's the people that you meet. You know, my teammates, I have a woman that um, I'm still in touch with when I'm recruiting. She played at the University of Hartford. I played at Marist and we played against each other. And somehow we remembered that. And I just ran into her this weekend, right? I think in my career and even in my, with my, it's all about the people and it's not necessarily about, I couldn't tell you about a match that happened and what an unbelievable moment. I think it's always just about the relationships that you build.
0: So when you came to Springfield College, you were a grad assistant, right? Yeah. For the women's I just, team. Go ahead. For the women's team. Uh, what was that experience like and how did you, what did you learn from that and how did you grow because of that?
1: Uh, that was, that was transformational for me. Um, I think, you know, I came in and I didn't know, you know, I didn't have a fellowship. I wasn't getting my tuition paid for. I just knew that I loved volleyball and I, you know, had had a probably a conversation with my mother and she's like, just reach out to the coach, see if he needs any help. So I reached out to Joel Deering, uh, which was, you know, changed my life. Um, and just said, Hey, you know, I played volleyball. I'd love to help out whatever, whatever you need. If it's just practice, you know, chip in balls, what have you. Um, so, uh, he was like, yeah, you can come, you know, a couple days a week, we'll see how it goes this week or what have you. And I came to the first practice and, uh, after the first practice, I don't know what I probably didn't do much. I probably just, you know, chit chatted with him a little bit about what I saw or what have you. And he was like, all right, you can come every day. That that's good. You, You can come every day. I was like, all right. Um, so that really, I think just the opportunity that he gave me to work in his program, um, I saw just the ins and outs. I saw the relationships that he built. Um, I saw the difference between like kind of the things we did at Marist and the things that, you know, he was doing here. Um, I think in that first year, I just learned a lot in terms of like what went into coaching and, um, the expectations that he had for his program and the standards he had for his program. And then my second semester, he offered me for the following year, he offered me the fellowship. So I had my tuition and a stipend or what have you, um. I think it was just, uh, that's probably the the time where I was like, oh, all right, I, this, is, this, this is good. I could maybe do this for a living, but I still didn't, it still didn't click for me. Like this is a path for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the things that you learned were just about the culture that you want for your program. And I think the high standards he not only set for his players that he had for himself. Um, so that really made an impact on me.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then <laughs> my
1: second year, I worked with him and, uh, that was great. Um, but the second semester he actually went on sabbatical and, uh, I was like, okay, well, what does this mean? And he, he will say all the time for the first time ever. And he's been on sabbatical a bunch of times. He actually gave me the title of interim head, you know, interim coach. And I kind of like ran the whole spring and, um, it was a very daunting experience because I just wanted to make him proud. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was just, you know, he gave me that opportunity. And I think that then was like, Mara, how about you do what I do for a living? And I was like, what a great idea.
0: <laughs> so what I'm was not, that? I'm not
1: very right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was that like with him giving you all that responsibility and him having that trust in you?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's more when you reflect back it's really hard to give up control in your program. It's really hard to allow someone else to step in, um, and just run practices or talk to recruits. I mean, he did a lot of the recruiting. I didn't do that so much, but just, you know, to organize his office and to get things done. Um, yeah, it, it was just such an honor. And to this day, I always, I think back to that and I just think, wow, that meant a lot to me because I know, know that he trusted me to do it I know he trusted me to kind of run a practice and know that you know the players were going to get better in those practices um, but it was really intimidating right like they got to be re- like they have got to learn something in the spring because then he's going to have them in the fall and then I don't want him to think the heck was Mara doing right like um and he just stayed within the parameters of what I mean I coached the way he coached because that's what he taught me so I, I think you know it was easy for him to trust me in that because he knew I was going to do things his way.
0: Now, were you still taking classes at this point as well?
1: I was, and I was planning a wedding. So uh, wow.
0: <laughs> So you
1: were busy yeah, all the time. I was, I was, I thankfully the year before I had coached um, at Western New England, I coached their men's team for a year. Oh, okay. um, and then in my second year, he helped me get that job and it was a great experience. I mean, I've coached men, obviously at Marist, and then I coached men at Western New England. Um, But in the second year, when he asked me to be interim head coach and I was planning a wedding and I still had a, you know, we had to take comprehensive exams and do a research project. I was like, oh, I just don't think maybe coaching men, you know, for another year is probably in my best interest. I might lose my mind. So I stepped away, which was probably a very smart decision.
0: Right. Was there ever a point during that time as you were so busy where you thought that maybe this isn't for me? Maybe there's another path.
1: No, I think um, once. Coach D and I had that conversation of, you know, Maura, there are a lot more full-time positions now. It was 1997, you know, 1997. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like, there are a lot of positions. He's like, that you are qualified for. He was just, I think from that moment, um, you know, and having that opportunity in the spring. And I think even with the men at Western New England, which was very different because it was a part-time position, but I think um, it was like, no, this is, this is it for me. This is what I want to do. And in that second year, as a grad student, as a fellow, I also was teaching PE classes. Okay. Um, so I think that combination of like obviously teaching and coaching, I was like, oh, wow. OK, this this is what I'm meant to do. Um, I don't think there was ever a moment where I was like, what am I thinking? This isn't it.
0: So is that experience that you gained with coach? Do you now pass that along kind of to your grad assistants? I know you've had some great grad assistants in the past and right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think um, I would not be where I am without the opportunities that he gave me, and I think he really allowed me to um, be ingrained in everything that was happening. Right, just in terms of like you know film and even recruiting. He did a lot of the recruiting, but to to witness like how that worked and the people we were looking for and what have you, and to send me out on the road to watch you know kids. Um, I think I try to give that to my, you know, to my staff, I want them to learn every part of this business. And I think I also try to hire people who want to be coaches. Mm -hmm. There are not enough good coaches, you know, I think, you know, in society, whether that's, you know, at the youth level, um, you know, high school or what have you, I think this commitment to, um, you know, excellence, I think is what I try to pass along to my, to my staff. I have been so fortunate to have some unbelievable people to work with who just, um, buy into kind of the culture that I that I build here, and that want to be part of it. Um, so definitely, I think it's really important that when they leave here, they're really prepared to go out and hopefully continue on in this profession.
0: So, what was the job
1: search like for you once you <laughs> finished the fellowship? Um, it was a really different time. Uh, everything was done um, with you know printing off your resume and printing off your you know, cover letter and mailing it out. It was a, uh, it was a process. Now it's just like, you kind of hit a button and there it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you're looking at newspapers and you're looking, you know, you hit word of mouth and coach D was sending me the internet was, you know, obviously we had the internet, but it was not like it is now. Um, so, I mean, I applied to anywhere across the country, Yuma, Arizona. I was like, I don't know where that is, but I'm going to apply. Um, you know, I think Um, it's a daunting thing. You don't know. And, and at the time, I think it's very different at the time, a lot of positions were coaching two sports. So coaching volleyball and softball, and I didn't have any experience in softball yet. Somehow that's the first kind of positions that I got. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a daunting, daunting task applying for positions that sometimes you're like, why would you hire me for this? But somehow I got hired. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I saw that. What was that like coaching? And you said you didn't have any softball experience. What was that like taking on two programs, let alone one?
1: Yes, it's um, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you're successful at it. Um, I went, you know, I was very fortunate. I got a job at Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and it was great. Um, You know, but it's a head volleyball, head softball coach, and then it's called a um, academic professional. So I taught wellness classes. And I obviously was really comfortable with the volleyball. I was really comfortable with the teaching, but the softball, you know, I don't know how, and I remember asking the athletic director at the time, I was like, after I get hired, I was like, why did you hire me for this position? Like, I don't have softball experience. And he's like, listen, he's like, you're from Springfield college. He's like, you can coach anything. And that just stood with me. And I was like, you're right. Coaching is teaching. And like, ultimately, you know, I just had to do a good job of um, doing a whole lot of research before I even went on the interview. I was at, soft, you know, uh, Coach Mangano, Dr. Mangano's softball practices, like watching through the fence, being like, okay, what is happening out there? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to dissect things. Um, you know, I read a lot, but um, when I got the position, I just hired good people. I could, I felt comfortable. I can manage a team, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, what we're going to do offensively, I didn't have a clue. I was like, when are we bunting? What? Right? Like, so I hired somebody to do that and he was great. Um, and then I managed the team and I, I could do defense and what have you. Um, and even got to a point where like pitching, I was great. It just, you know, um, you just have to put good people around you, but then coaching two teams. I mean, think about it, right. Volleyball. I am, you know, for me, it's like tempo, tempo, tempo. It's fast, it's fast, it's fast, it's fast. And I'd leave volleyball practice to go to a fall softball practice. And everybody's just like standing around and i was just like "Ah." um yeah it was really challenging and then it was the same in the spring you'd go from softball where it was like super chill and relax i don't not because we didn't work hard but like it's just a different pace and then i go to volleyball and have to like shift gears and then you know you're responsible for uh whatever i had 14 volleyball players and then 22 softball players that's a lot of women to kind of develop relationships with. And it was the same when I went to Plymouth State. It was, it's really hard.
0: Mm -hmm. So yeah, you've coached three different, uh, colleges in the women's level, right? Yep. Okay. So with that, you've had a very, you've been very successful, had a lot of many, many winning seasons. Um, you also have, your team also develops a, a culture that you instill, like you mentioned, like everyone's very close knit. Whenever you go into Cheney, you always see them especially in season, sitting together after practice, talking and everything. Is that, that's part of the culture that you want to instill into the
1: team? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, my time at Marist was great. And I think that culture um, was a good one. And I think I, I recognized how important those relationships are. I think, um, you know, my early, I only spent one year at Dickinson. So I don't think that I didn't create a culture there because I left so quickly. Um, you know, I think at Plymouth State, it became, you know culture's always been important to me and I don't even think I realized it when I did my um, research project in grad school for sport management it was on the culture of minor league baseball teams and the success in the right I didn't even realize culture was so important to me but I've always been like really impressed with like business cultures or what have you so I think when I got to Plymouth State it was it, it was very similar to what I have here. It was about connections. It was about our team, you know, trusting one another and spending time together. And, you know, on the court and off the court was really important for me. Um, And then developing relationships with me. I always say to my players, like, if you want a relationship with me, you got to come see me. I'm not going to come hang out in the dorm, right? Like I'll go hang out with you at the union. You want to get coffee, but you know, my players are in my office a lot because they recognize in order to be successful, we have to understand each other. And I think that's player to player. Um, you know, if, uh, culture is so important to success. Um, and when you don't, you know, and you have to work on your culture every single year and really every day. Yeah, I mean, because if we say little things are big things, and if you let one little thing kind of fester, then it becomes a problem. And then it becomes a big thing. And we want to kind of squash the little things as early as possible.
0: Right. So also in your coaching experience, you've also been part of many different committees for the uh... NCAA, what have yes. those experiences been like?
1: Um I absolutely loved my time on the NCA committee. I think you know, you have a regional committee that I had been on for a couple of times, you know, whether when I was at Plymouth State, which then, you know, the following year I went on to the national committee. I think it it opens your eyes to what it takes to uh, put on a great championship, what it takes by the NCAA. Uh, the rules that go into it or what have you, some of the changes, I was on the NCAA committee when we made some big changes in, uh, I want to say it was 2004 to 2008, um, we changed the ball, it used to be white, and then it went to blue and white, right, like that's a big change in a sport to change like just even the color of a ball, and we went to a libero, and we went to, um, you know, rally scoring, I think just the intricacies of what goes into that, um, and I think selections, there is nothing... You know, people don't understand what goes into the selection process for the NCAA tournament. They think it's a popularity contest, and it is absolutely not. I think it was just really eye-opening for me. Um, and then to have the opportunity to be the chair of that committee um, was pretty cool, just to kind of, again, see a little even more of the inner workings of the NCAA um, and the people that you meet from all over the country. I, I mean, I one of my dear, dear friends coached in Iowa. We would never have met had we not been on this committee at the same time. Um, So I think, you know, those relationships are really important in the sport of volleyball just um, because people who understand what you do. And then actually, you know, when I came here and the position was open again, um, you know, it'd been a few, it'd been years since I had been on the national committee and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time invested. but when I, you know, I decided to do it again, again, it was just just as valuable and the people that you meet and the NCA rep that I got to work with is, is a dear, dear friend now. And um, yeah, I just think it, you know, it's really important to give back too. we have all these people who complain about selections and how things work. And I think then now I feel like I've, I can educate those around me to be like, well, that's not actually how that goes. This is how that works. And this is how much time and effort goes into it. So um, it's just a really rewarding experience. Everybody's like, you can do it again. I was like, oh, I've had two terms. It's a lot of work and it's four years. And um, I was like, give me a couple of years off. Maybe I'll come back to it. <laughs> Other people should get a shot.
0: <laughs> Just a couple more questions here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, if you could go back in your mind, do you think there would be, and think about your career. Do you think there'd be anything that you would change or do differently? Or are you happy with the way that it progressed and where you got to now?
1: Um, what I would do differently. I don't know. I'm a firm believer that, you know, every experience you can learn and grow from. Mm-hmm. So I've had some really challenging times in coaching, whether it's, you know, with players, because they're dealing with things in their lives and trying to support them. Um, you know, I think, or I'm dealing with things in my life um, and trying to navigate that. I just think every everything has given you you know, an experience, and then it gives you the opportunity to grow and to make better decisions. So I don't always make the best decisions and I don't always get it right. I mean, I try to do what's best for the program first and foremost, always. Um, but sometimes you make mistakes and sometimes you look back and say, oh, that that wasn't a good decision, Mara. What were you thinking? Um, you know, so I think you just learn from every experience. And I, I preach that to my players. So I don't think I'd change anything. You know, I think this is where I want it to be. This was the end goal. Right. So, you know, I go to Dickinson and I go to Plymouth state and, you know, coach Deering and I stayed very close and he was always supportive of my career. And he's always pushing me outside my comfort zone and nominating me for committees and presidents of organizations. And I was like, I remember I was pregnant at the time. And all of a sudden I'm like the president of our coaches association. I was like, what are you doing to me? Like, I don't, like, I don't have time for this. He's like, it's great. It's going to be such a great thing for you. Leadership, leadership. Um, so, But he always, you know, he always said, start with the end in mind. And for me, he always had an end in mind. He will tell you I was the person he wanted to take over for him. So I think um, everything kind of happened the way it should. Yet I had to, you know, when we moved here, my husband didn't have a job. We were working at the same institution. And I just had to say, I'm just going to have faith that it's all going to work out. And it has all worked out the way it should. And, you know, every experience has gotten me to here, which is where I want to be. And I don't ever want to go anywhere else.
0: So just final question here, what if you could think, what's the proudest moment in your career? Like the one highlight that when you're, when it's all said and done and you retire from coaching, you're going to think that this, that's the moment.
1: Oh, wow. Um, I always feel like when I get this question or questions like this, people are a little disappointed in my response because I think, you know, everybody thinks you're going to go to a match or you go to a game or you go, it's just never that. Mm -hmm my favorite moment is, it's, it's never a moment. It's, it, it's, you know, one of my favorite days of the year is the alumni match. When the alumni come back and, you know, you see the growth and development in them. And I think it's the moment you see the growth and development, sometimes it's with a player and they come in your office and it's been a couple of years or, you know, and you know that they've struggled with some things, but something clicks and all of a sudden they change and this maturity level happens. And it's about the life that they, are creating for themselves those are the proud moments the moments where they can stand up for themselves as women those are the proud moments where you know maybe they wouldn't have done that earlier on in their life but they've been in our program and they know how important it is to have a voice and i hear them speak that voice that's the proud moment um you know again on the court we've done a lot of great things i've had these unbelievable teams but that's not what it's about It is about their growth and development as students and as athletes, as leaders and as women. And I just take that very seriously. Like that is my goal is that they leave here stronger women um, who have a voice. And I think that's the moment. And each one of them has that moment. And you're, you know, you kind of like step back and you're like, yes, that was it. Okay. We can see it. It's really cool.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much, coach. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to meet with me.
1: Sean, I really appreciate it. It was really great to kind of go down memory lane. And um, you know, I always say, I love, love, love what I do. Um, You know, I really do. It's just tremendous. So it's really nice to kind of reflect on how we got here. So thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Right. That was before they call me coach. Coach, again, thank you again.
1: Thank you. Take care.